take you on a journey to someone's idea of the Wild West. And by we, I mean myself, Regina Connolly, uh, my co-host, Bob Shields. Hello. And Robin Elaine Hitchcock. Hello. And we are very excited that we have not one, but two special guests, because this movie needs all the input it can take. <laughs> uh, and our guests today are John Paul Feitner. Hello. And Connor McCandless. Hi. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Also, I, I don't know if John. I want to thank you for having us, <laughs> but thank you for allowing me to be in your presence once again. We also <laughs> need to introduce our new permanent fourth chair, which is Mavis Casserole, which is Bob Shields and my new cat, and she has a bell on her collar because we worry that she's going to get lost in her house. So if you hear a jingle jangle, there's no poachers, guys. It's just Mavis. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I think of when I hear a light bell. Not to poach. Uh, <laughs> to watch Mighty Joe Young. I'm a Charlie's fanatic oh, in joke. Okay. <laughs> Don't do that to us. We already had to watch this movie. <laughs> it was fun. We actually all ranked Mighty Joe Young quite high. All right. Yeah. It's been years. So today we are watching a much inferior film than Mighty Joe Young. That size sort of sums it up. We're reviewing 2014's Seth MacFarlane's a million ways to die in the West. And let's launch right in to our one sound review. And I feel confident that we can all do this together if we'd like. Okay, cool. All right, one sound review. Ready? <laughs> this movie, as Bob Shields would say, is dreadful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would like to remind you all of how last week's episode ended. Rewind sound effect. Bob Shields speaking. <laughs> You cannot beat a fart. <laughs> That's right. Bob Shields, in discussing Seth MacFarlane's television series, The Orville, I asked him if he thought it would be better off with some more poop and fart jokes. Mm -hmm. And all three of us, actually, I can't lay this all on Bob Shields. <laughs> no, no, we all were like, yeah, we were yeah, thumbs up. hearty agreement that that was what was missing from that show. That Orville needed more Bodily humor? It yes. doesn't have very I've heard much. Orville has what's no humor. What's very much? <laughs> you're saying it didn't have a hat full of shit. No, it didn't no have two hatfuls of shit. Hat of shit. Oh. Yeah. And then seeing that get How tipped could over. How there not be a third hat full of shit? Because he doesn't understand the rules of comedy. It's pretty obvious. I, seemed, I mean, like, that scene went on way too long yep. and was dreadful, but obviously the rules of comedy are he shits in a third hat, preferably his own. Well, I w I'm going to do a quick plot summary. Okay. It's going to take only about three sentences, which is Seth <laughs> MacFarlane is the protagonist. He gets dumped by his girlfriend for legitimate reasons that he refuses to accept. Mm -hmm. Then luckily Charlize Theron shows up and she is married to a gunslinger who pl is played by Liam Neeson inexplicably. All the casting in this is inexplicable. And then she spends all of her time devoted to m making sure that Seth MacFarlane knows that he's worth something. And at the end, he kills her husband... Falls in love with Charlize, and his ex-girlfriend wants him back, but he's got a hotter girlfriend. Roll credits. I think that's the actual plot. That is yep. the plot. You are not wrong. Okay, cool. There's a little bit of uh, learning how to duel Neil Patrick Harris. 
Oh God! Who's the one who shifts in hats? Yeah. yeah, there is there there is a. Uh, she's not just a cool girl. She's also a very talented gunslinger herself. Correct. Right. Right. She rolls her own cigarettes, guys. She's. She Quite is something. the coolest of cool girls. She wears her hair down in 1882. What? She rides astride in a full-length skirt, which seems real stupid. I, how does that even work? It does not. Does she, like, have a zip? It stops being a full-length skirt. You just hike it up, and it's like, it's a very cumbersome belt. So this cast, like I said, has Neil Patrick Harris, who I delight in, Amanda Seyfried, who I delight in. Even though she really needs to change her name to something like Amanda Silver. Something like, like, come on. It's got, it's got Ewan McGregor in it. It's got, and I hate to say that this is true. Wait, when is Ewan McGregor in it? So Ewan McGregor is in it the one time this movie made me quirk a smile, which is at some point, there's a bet laid down for a dollar bill, and a crowd of people all take their hat off because they've never seen a dollar bill. Oh, yeah. And one person keeps their hat on and someone says, take your hat off, son. That's a dollar bill. And I'm, at some point, someone in that crowd is Ewan McGregor and it might be the person who says that. But Wait, that's uh, seriously? It's, it's the person who is laughing at a joke that's not funny oh, and then that's he it. goes, Wait, why are you laughing at that? And he goes, Well, he was laughing. That's Ewan oh, McGregor who said that. that's it. That's all he one does. one line. Huh. Other cameo, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> who says nothing. Says nothing and dies. And gets shot. The luckiest man in the movie. Other cameos include Patrick Stewart. I heard that one. Yeah, my note for that was sheep. just, No! <laughs> he doesn't actually appear. He's just in the most boring drug sequence I've ever the seen. The most wow. boring drug yeah. sequence I was like, ever. If that's what you think being high is like, like, why would you... Anyway. Well, he pretty clearly established, because I assume everything that is true of this character is true of Seth MacFarlane. Like, mm-hmm. I assume he's just literally writing himself into the Wild West. Right. Sure. And so I assume that he is someone who doesn't like drugs. Yeah. Who can't do drugs because he gets too paranoid. And so he was writing about that experience. And so he doesn't know how to write a good vision quest. Yeah. Right. But can I also just comment on... Why did this movie need a vision quest? Because how else could they shoo in some racist stereotypes? (laughs) Wow, this movie's so racist. Also, the thing that he learned in his vision quest had nothing to do with what he then did after the vision quest. It was completely pointless plot-wise, narrative-wise. Well, he learns the thing he learns all along, is that he is just perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He had it in him all along. Because he was such a nice guy. They That's say, all you need to be is a nice guy. If only people that. got it. She says at one point, the nicest guy in town. One, we haven't seen her interact with any other people besides <laughs> being part of, being witness to a big bar fight. It seems like her baseline is, are you not my murderous husband? Yes. Right. All right. Also, I'll argue that Giovanni Ribisi, who is also in this movie for some <laughs> reason. He's a nicer guy. He's a nicer guy. What a sweet I think he, the game of his character is he's super nice. Right. His char- So Giovanni Ribisi is Seth MacFarlane. What's, what's his character's name? Albert Stark. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that is a um, cool name. Yeah. A cool guy. Giovanni Ribisi's girlfriend, Sarah Silverman, is a prostitute. And he is like 110% supportive of her job, which I think the movie thinks is a lot funnier than it actually yeah. is. They yes. definitely do. Yes, but do. it actually, as much as I don't think it's that funny, it was still, amidst all this awfulness, kind of nice to see. I would see. say it was arguably the better part of right. the movie. Right, right. Plot-wise and... They were both funny in I was role. begging yes. for more of them and less of everything yes. else. They were the ones who had least, a human connection with right, one another. Right. They were living in this world, believing in this world, treating it as it was all real. Right. Instead of him who... 
He kept hated saying, everything in the world. He was like it was part of the from the joke. Outside. Like so right. Seth MacFarlane clearly was like, I'm gonna write a western, starts doing some research, and then every time he found something interesting about the Wild West, he's like, I'll have my character put in that fact at some point. Did anyone else feel like he just thought that if he talked fast enough that he would either be as funny or as brilliant as like Robin Williams or Eddie Izzard? Like he just like had a straight up monologue where he's like, I'm gonna talk really fast and I'm gonna be hilarious. And like you are not a stand-up comic, you're not a good actor you're barely a writer and you're certainly not a visual storyteller so i don't know why you have license to have a movie with the cast that you do and to write direct and star in this movie correct he just what a way to follow up well there was i was confused by the tone because it wasn't it wasn't like like there was some humor that was one of the one of the times I did laugh was there's a joke where they're walking down the street and there's kids with a stick and hoop yeah. playing. Yes. And they're making comments about these youths using stick and hoops and they're relating it to cell phone usage. Right. That it's gonna shorten their attention spans, they can't have human interactions anymore. I call that Flintstone style humor. Yes. Where yeah. the joke is that God it is you. something <laughs> We, we, I will go I, on a tangent about you're how not wrong. both live-action <laughs> Flintstone movies are fantastic. But the, the joke is that here is something that you recognize as contemporary through the lens of something cl- like old and antiquated. Mm-hmm. But that tone wasn't even throughout no. because no. he was very aware of how awful the West was. But then sometimes other characters were aware of how awful it was. And sometimes they were ignorant of that. And then just anachronisms. Yes, there was a times where it was the appropriate parody tone of we don't understand how weird our world is because it's real to us. Right. And there are times where now I'm commenting about how weird our world is. Our world is so weird. Mm-hmm. But now I'm going to comment about how we don't smile in photographs. We never do that. So it's like, right. which one are you? Are you the 21st century man trapped in this universe or are you in this universe? Actually, and you seem to hate this universe, so it's hard for me to get into this world with you because you just, you hate everything. Right. I actually thought, like, the tone of the, I thought it was going to be that he was a time traveler. Huh. And I had seen the, the trailers for it. Oh. <laughs> he talks like a regular person. Like, he talks like a modern speaking person. When yes. everyone else is like, Neil Patrick Harris talks like an old timey gentleman. And so, and then at one point when, like, in the opening narration, it's like, some people are just born into the wrong time. I seriously thought he was a time traveler from that moment. And then at some point, fucking Doc Brown from the Back to the Future movie shows up for no, and then I was like, oh shit. You could have taken that scene out of the movie, put it anywhere else in the movie. It would have made as much sense as worse. You could have have removed it. It Actually, but it's a great example of what Family Guy is like with their referential, in quotations, comedy. It's just a reference. It's just, remember this? Existing, right. I thought yeah. this is not connected to anything. I right. thought the conclusion of the movie was going to be that Doc Brown was going to send him to the future. Oh, that would have been great, but that never happened. Like, oh, oh Doc Brown would have made so much more sense. See, but I, then it never happened. I thought never like, revisited it. The reason that that was there was the same reason that the Seinfeld episode clip was in the Orville episode mm. as a sort of reminder of what an actual enjoyable comedy is like to watch. <laughs> yes. You're like, oh yeah, that was delightful. I mean, it I'm stuck a, in this hellhole. It, it was a reference. To the best Back to the Future movie, which is the third one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, agreed. I, I can't tell them apart. I think Wait, it was who are one. you agreeing with? I'm agreeing with my l- lovely man here. All right. Fine. You two be in love. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best one. It's the best one. All those movies are great examples of like genre comedy, like through that particular lens. Yes. Like, Flintstone style comedy. They take 
the contemporary idea and put it in different time periods mm. seamlessly, like was, brilliantly. I thought it was strange. The only time that I found this movie remotely compelling, because I was furiously texting throughout it, because I was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I was watching it alone, is when you first meet Clinch Leatherwood riding into town. And William he, Neeson. Yes, and yes. he encounters a prospector and he, who's just like sitting with his dog and coming and there's like this weird interaction where like you know that something bad is going to happen and sure. you don't know exactly what's going to go on. That I was actually like, I'm compelled by this. And when he had the logic of he's like, I know that you have gold even though you told me you don't because you're coming down in the middle of the day. And if yeah. you were, and I was like, yeah. that's logical. That's clever. It's not funny. It was a drama moment. Sure. Yeah. And then he kills him and Charlize is very upset. Mm-hmm. And at that point I was like, oh, that was, that was the height of the movie because when the, it took itself right. seriously, which yeah, was also it, the yeah. second scene. Maybe <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. Ridiculously early. And it's just like, that was also one of the only times where the movie was like, I'm just going to let you figure out what's happening and I'm not going to be overly explanatory because he all the jokes. He explains every single, he explains it, then he gives a visual aid, then he explains the visual uh, aid that you just saw. And I feel yeah. like uh. the best example of that is Sarah Silverman, who's Giovanni Ribisi's prostitute girlfriend, at some point had anal sex, because obviously. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, they're coming over to comfort Seth MacFarlane. And at first she's like, uh, he offers her a seat and she goes, no. And then it's like, oh, you might get that joke. Ha ha ha. But then she's like, I can't sit down right now because I had a penis in my asshole. Like, she literally spells it out word for word. And it's like, you could have just had, I don't know, a subtle joke that's not that subtle and not even that good of a joke. But no, let's make sure we haven't missed a moment. Hmm. There was one There was one example of that that was funny with the wolves eating the corpse of the mayor. And that's because he reacted to something and right. then we saw He suddenly it. gave a shit about something. Yes. That's also true. But yes. the only, the, every other time, like there was one, one example where he said, these people's farts kill them. And then we see that character fart and die. And then he goes, look, that guy's fart killed him. And I was like, that's, that, you misunderstand the rule of threes. You think you need to do the same joke three times. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That was, oh, I was frustrated. Oh, I was frustrated. I felt like we needed more ways to die in the West. I feel like I was trying to keep a list, and a lot of it is just in his fast-talking speeches, Mm -hmm. but we do have some, like, goofy, you know, the guy farts and falls over from the force of his fart and hits his face on a plank and dies. Yeah. Like, guys... Fart jokes go, not a good one, but give me some more of the death nonsense, right? Yeah, like there's a family that gets their photograph taken and then everyone bursts into flames. I laughed at that. I laughed at that too. The thing that made me laugh the hardest in the whole movie was when they describe why Amanda Seyfried came to town. She replaced the old school marm whose throat was slit by a fast-moving tumbleweed. (laughs) And I would have, I could have done with a cutaway to that. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing is I feel like so many of his jokes, like in terms of visual joke telling, is always, I've said something, quick cut to that thing, and then back to the people talking. Yeah. And it just feels very repetitive and not imaginative. I would have been happy. But it's like like the wolves thing, I that was another moment where it's like, oh close to humor here. (laughs) But it's just Rush up against it. It's the same visual (laughs) joke over and over. It's like, here's some people, cut back to that. And it's just that feels like a cartoon, and I don't know, I feel like Batman the Animated Series was a better, more sophisticated cartoon than this movie was. It's also uh, assuming that your audience isn't going to get your very lowbrow joke to begin with. Yes. Right. You know, going back to the, going back to the, my ass hurts because I had anal sex, it's, he's almost afraid that if you don't get, if she goes, no, when she doesn't want to sit down, if you missed that joke, 
he he doesn't want that to happen. Yeah. You like, know? it would ruin the movie for you. Right. I think yeah. it's because he's probably the kind of person where he'd hate if your attention wasn't on him for a minute, so he wants to make sure you've seen everything he's putting into the movie. Uh, I don't well, that know. reminds me of another total shift problem in Habit, like, infuriated me was, so she has the moment where she's like, I can't sit down because I've had so much anal sex. It's like, she just said something goofy, but we're all treating it as a serious thing. Sure, fine. But then there's all of the weird rom-com scenes that Seth has with Charlize Theron mm-hmm. and all the little meat cute business where they're like telling witty jokes to one another and laughing at their own jokes where it's like to me it's not like now we're making fun of the West but we think it's hilarious how we're making fun of the West okay so right. I'm going to say something that I'm not proud of <laughs> you should I, really love this movie I, oh, <laughs> if there is anyone in a Prometheus chair today they need to leave I, well here's what I'm going to say all of those rom-commy scenes all of the there's a lot of this movie that is just Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron hanging around and she's being a cool girl and they're making jokes I found those scenes relatively inoffensive they have something approximating chemistry much more so in this movie than they did on the orville on the right. orville they seemed much more strained with each other yes but here i can see why she might have had a nice time hanging out with him and acting with him and would have agreed to do his ridiculous fox show sort of kind of Charlize, are you okay um <laughs> do you have money yeah in your next movie blink twice in your first scene if there's something <laughs> if something being held over you and you want to escape the Seth Marlin I really hope we go to her next joint. movie and the first shot is her <laughs> unblinking <laughs> staring directly <into> the <laughs> and then at the end it's like fightner I'm fine <laughs> Also, if I wasn't, don't you think I could fix it? That's true. <laughs> okay. I hear that, but whether yeah, or not they have actual chemistry, and you could pluck those scenes out, maybe put yeah. them in some actual rom-com, and yeah. be like, well, look at these two, they look adorable. But it, to me, did not fit in this world I that you're trying to create. Right. I mean, there are already a million tonal shift problems, as is, so then when it started becoming a romantic comedy, I was like, now you're laughing at your jokes. What kind of character do you want me to enjoy here? Yeah. One yeah. scene that I did laugh at a little bit was when she talks about how she got married when she was nine. I appreciated that. Because yes. at the exact moment in the movie, I was like, hating the I'm a nice guy bullshit. Yeah. Of this is why my character is right. worth anything is because I'm just nice. Right. And all these sluts and whores and assholes don't get me. Yeah. And I'm so nice. But this is me writing a movie about how people get with bad men. And that's their problem. So and I'm like, she's I like, hate this. right, I have no agency. <laughs> right. But I, I don't want to be a spinster. Right at that point in the movie, spinster. I'm like, they're not even going to talk about why she married this fucking monster. Right. So I appreciated that yeah. at that moment, her being like, I got married when I was nine. I was yeah. like, thank you for that at least. At least you were intelligent enough to figure out that this relationship makes no sense. Right. It exactly. was also one of the few sort of old timey related jokes as well. Right. Most of the jokes are sort of like little nuggets of just like, oh, this is a, a thing that, that Seth MacFarlane finds funny unrelated to the West or sure. the time period of time. There was one other one that played that did not play as a joke, but uh, Amanda Seyfried was like, Seyfried. people are Seyfried. living till 30 uh, yes. these days. Yes. Great yeah. I was going to say, like, I liked that joke and that felt like the anachronism where it's like, it's a modern commentary, but set in the thing where she's like, you know, right. I want to work on myself because people are living so much longer till 35. Right. Also, are we supposed to believe that Seth MacFarlane is younger than 35? Right. So, very good point. <laughs> Are we supposed to believe that Neil... A lot of the actors in that 
are significantly older than 35. Listen, it's Hollywood. They're all 21 in their I, minds. I do want to talk screen. about Seth MacFarlane's, Seth MacFarlane's face. And how it's a big potato. Does anyone... So he has shark eyes. Yeah. They're just... <laughs> they're just... I really... like yeah. When you were saying that you found chemistry between the two yeah. of them... I found like him very eyes. off-putting. Yeah. yeah, he looks like he's been drawn by children. Yes, <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> I can't tell if he was wearing a lot of foundation. His face was digitally right. altered, or if he's had a little in the face. He may be a giant doll man that has successfully crossed <laughs> the uh, uncanny, the, uncanny valley. valley. So it's like. Yeah. So he's completely I, fake, but he looks so human. He's, he's just that we clawed him his human. way out of the uncanny valley. <laughs> his face is still dead. Like, oh, <laughs> Guys, if he being. is an evil doll, that makes more sense as to why all that these actually, great actors are like, we have to do yeah. what he says! <laughs> I think we figured it out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's an evil doll. Guys, I was so happy to see Neil Patrick Harris again because I miss the days of early How I Met Your Mother when I liked the show. Mm. And I just love watching him work. I love watching him move. I think he's a great and hilarious actor. I think he did rather well. I, 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 I loved the concept of someone who's built their empire around mustache care. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> I am powerless without this thing. I appreciated the the idea that when he was talking to him in his shop, it was almost as if he was buying a car. Yeah. yeah. And he was talking about the different kinds of mustaches and he's going, I'm not sure if you can afford it. Yeah. I love when he finally described what mustache he wanted. New Patrick just looks at the guy behind him and the guy scoffs. And he's like, oh, that's a mighty investment that you're getting into. Yeah. I was like, that setup was fun and funny. Yeah. I will say when it, I think it came up again at some point. I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to drift this into the ground. Then came up the musical sequence. I need to talk about it. Hated. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I have never been less excited for a musical number in my entire life. There was that, because there was no setup of, oh, there's a big square dance coming up. There was no, that just. They set up the fair. They set up the fair. Which, boom, in, out. And then we're getting to the barn and I'm going, Oh, no. Oh, no. And I thought for a second, this could be saved if they give Alex Bornstein, who played Millie, the proprietor of the uh, saloon bordello? Sure. Does saloon imply also house of ill repute? In all Wild West movies, yes. If it's a bar, there is women of ill repute up top. So she is the madam. I was like, oh, maybe they'll give Alex Bornstein a song. She's a great. She's a great singer. She'll have more than a scene. I'll be very happy for her. And it was that GD mustache song. I have never been less excited about a musical number, nor did it really accomplish anything. It didn't no. say enough. Like, once you heard the first refrain, you're like, okay, we get right. it. There's, there's but we already got it from the mustache shop. Like, it's a joke that you've right. already made. Yeah. And the only, I mean, the only thing that I liked about it is I'm like, I like to watch Neil Patrick Harris dance. Sure. For, for an eight yeah. count. For a single eight count. You you have a brilliant song in Dance Man who the song is about how powerful your your mustache is. You don't give him a look how look how suave I am on the dance floor with this woman. He could have sang that. Oh, that's what I was about to say. If he had sung it, It maybe that would have redeemed that moment. Yes. But I was hating it, and I was like, this is dumb, you've driven this joke too far. And immediately following that is a scene where Seth turns to Charlie Stair and goes, Oh, I can't get that mustache song out of my my mind. So catchy. So we both that's what I turned him and went, I Ugh. hate this movie. I'm mad that I have to finish it right now. Because this is, had I not turned it off before that point, that would have been the moment where I would have been off, done, back to Netflix, or I'm 
searching something else on the internet because this is terrible. It's Thank so you. bad. I feel like we keep being like, well, this moment was sort of good, but I think, like, let's make it clear. Everything about this movie is awful, and we're awful. trying to find, like, nuggets of goodness just so we don't scream and rant and rant <laughs> so I think nonstop. There are technical, there's nothing give storytelling. It, it is, it is like, it is well made. <laughs> well, uh, it is well shot. It's uh, kind of. He at least has the no, sense that he needs big sweeping western shots. Some yes. of those were very pretty, so yes. he understands. That's God's something. fault, not saying. <laughs> a great B-roll manager. But yeah. you need to know to film that stuff and to catch it in the okay. western. You know, we Absolutely. don't see the font Playbill used a lot anymore, so it was nice for it. <laughs> I actually genuinely appreciated an overture. Oh, yeah, yes. I genuinely sure. appreciated an overture. Sure. Exactly. I completely I thought the sets were good. I thought the no. costumes were pretty no. good. <laughs> the sets were bad. What? All those all those exteriors oh, no. were either CGI or cardboard flats. I thought painted. that they were intended to look like cardboard they flats. They may have been. That was my take on it. You that. can get away with that in a comedy if someone knocks over an entire building and it goes right. flat. <laughs> like, I mean, I really that. could have used that. Exactly. I would have right. loved that. Yeah. Any jokes that landed, I could have used that. Here's a joke in this movie. He's laying in a field of sheep, close up on a pink sheep penis. Then the sheep penis pees on his face for an extended period of time. That's the end of the joke. And I just sat there waiting. I was like, I know that you want me to laugh at this. I know that this is meant to be a hilarious moment. And I was sort of like, that's not funny. I was waiting for someone in the next scene to go, do you smell sheep piss? And he'd be like, no. Because the jokes have no consequences for anyone in it or for the audience. It's just just quick reference, moving on, moving on. And it's... Even the the horrific Neil Patrick shitting sequence. Pointless. It doesn't do anything for that... For, to extend the plot. Anyway. Yeah, why it's did she like, even... Why did, what was the and point of her poisoning him? So that he would she be too inca- incapacitated to do well in a duel? That's why. Yeah. Which, by the way, my Charlie's zenith was when she grabs the whiskey. Same. She, she goes, oh. your dick's out, and steals the bottle of whiskey. <laughs> that, that, that was, was one of the times I learned. <laughs> yes, that, that's my Charlie's zenith as well, because I was like, that's a good joke, well delivered, and if only... When Seth MacFarlane had presented this to her, she'd been like, your dick's out, and disappeared into another room, <laughs> so that none of us would have to be here. I would have been much happier. I also, I hate to admit, I vaguely smirked through the corner of my mouth up during the extended shitting into hat sequence when he goes for the second hat, yes. and the, the guy knocks his hand away. Like, yeah, I wanted to like that. Hat. I wanted to like that. Yeah. My Charlize Zenith moment was, and it was confirmed with something that you said earlier in this the first time that Seth MacFarlane's character, quote, made a joke and she laughed. Charlize Theron is very good at laughing at something yes, that yeah. isn't funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, best examples of that are her playing Rita on Arrested Development. Oh, Those are the wait. best examples of her laughing at stuff that isn't funny. But she... You you said, I bought their chemistry. Yeah. That is 100% a testament to her as an actor. I completely oh, agree. And there, it was her laughing at his humor that I went, she is a quality actor. Yes. She earns her paycheck. Absolutely. Yes. She is the one trying. There's whole many moments where she's like, I am actually acting here. I'm yeah. worried and scared for my life, and I'm in a goofy scene, but I'm treating it as real. Yeah. Because she's in the movie as much as Seth MacFarlane. Like, they are very much the main characters. Yeah. Everyone else yeah. is in it very briefly. Lucky for them. <laughs> um, but yeah, she <laughs> is acting her pants off. And I, like, during the extended, like, them hanging out sequence, there's a moment that sort of at the end 
where they're sitting looking out over a beautiful vista and she like rolls her own cigarette because that's what she does but it's drugs and that sequence there where she was like ribbing with him and sort of being like ah you'll be fine blah 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 I was like oh like she's very charming yeah. in a scene that has no other reason to be charming because it wasn't the lines that were great or memorable no I mean that that was also my Charlie Zenith was the extended part of that scene there is a pointless pot cookie scene which comes out of yes, nowhere that's what I was talking about called a pot it's... I, I don't know quite where my zenith would be. I will say the the sequence where uh, Liam Neeson holds up the the prospector. Yeah, a pretty good scene, solid scene. There's a moment where she like you know after he shoots the prospector dead, she like challenges him and he grabs her and they're just like yes. growling at each other. I was like, oh. I would watch an entire movie of just Liam Neeson yeah. and Charlie Snare just growling at each other. Yes, <laughs> like not her with no power and like a, just the two of them like even handed, just two cow How? villains. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you call those, uh, fighting with each other. I was like, I'd watch an entire film of it. I would watch a Tom Blonde versus Taken. Cowboy Cowgirl. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, like she's got spy information and he needs it. Let's not put another teenage girl at risk for this movie. <laughs> but just the two of them, or even like Buddy Coppet, I would watch the two of them destroy yeah. so Western. I don't know if that was the Zenith, but in that scene, I was like, I would watch an entire movie of this. Yeah. And definitely during like the sequence where she was training him to shoot. There was a minute there where I was like, I, I want I want to see her do an Annie Oakley movie. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. I want to see yeah. that. I think she would nail the hell out of that. But see, that's even an example of it wasn't that Seth MacFarlane was a 21st century man, because everyone had times where they were speaking in the 21st yep. century. Because yep. Liam Neeson grabs her by the throat and she and wants her to say something nice as his wife, mm. and she goes, she says something along the lines of I'm like totally the most lucky girl in oh, the world. Yeah. She uses like, she yeah. it's it's yeah. very 21st century, but Sarah Silverman did that, Giovanni yeah. Rubisi did that. It wasn't it it would have been more interesting if you find these two people and oh, their common thread isn't that he's the nicest guy in town and she's never experienced a nice man. Mm-hmm. It's that they both are these 21st century yeah. mindsets. Yeah. And that would only work if no one else spoke like that. Right. right. No yeah. one's using contractions. Everyone has this formal, antiquated way of speaking. Right. That could have worked. Well, I felt yeah. like they what had... could have been? The only mm. reason the two of them even get to know each other is there's an unexpected bar fight and he... Like say he like knocks her out of the bar so that she doesn't get someone landing on her from yes. above. Yep. And her look of boredom during the bar fight, where she was <laughs> like, priceless. "This is below me. I've seen worse. Y'all are idiots." I was like, "Oh, that's who I am." Watching this movie. If only someone would take me out of this room. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, I just ah, uh, so dumb. This movie's so dumb. So would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Well, no, the because... one ride in it was not very good, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was just saying, there's, al- there's already a bar yeah, and fight. Yeah, added nothing. It's not good. And then, uh, the, the little seed of a proper joke of, like, the two heroes yeah. are going to go pretend fight in the corner. Yeah. But then it kept cutting to it, like, well, super close And up. explaining it was, the joke. Explaining it. Was, like, yeah, had to grab the whole fight and then cut to them. It was five it was times too long. Like, right. that joke needed one shot being like, we're just over here doing this thing. Right. Or, like, like, have them in the background while everything else is going on. Right. And you, as a smart, intelligent person, could be like, that's what's happening. How hilarious. What a joy for me to have to work at something while yeah. watching this. <laughs> Guys, why do I love Giovanni Ribisi so much? Because uh, you're, remember, he was great cause you're remembering him whole... from films in the 90s. Which ones, though? Because I was like, every time I see his little tiny cartoon fair face, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're just... so funny, but a little bit sinister. But every time I see you on screen, I'm like, yay, that guy. You're not not Sam Rockwell. No, you're the Giovanni variety. <laughs> but he does why have do a, like he has a wonderful so puppy dog face, and I think he... 
once again, he shows up to play. He's playing his character for real. Yeah. Like, yeah, he has no smirk. He's like, I am this person. I am living in this universe. I liked when he danced with his little tussie. (laughs) I liked when they were finally going to have sex and someone broke into the room and he just sat in the bed pouting and says, don't ruin sex. (laughs) That was great. That was funny. Yeah. Sort of. To answer your prison question, I do not think the movie would have been improved by a prison riot because I think that joke would have been a racist one I was gonna say and oh, would have added yeah. to the racism. There is yeah. so, so this movie is ridiculously racist, which I suppose is unsurprising, but one thing that is particularly baffling about how racist it is is that it is almost entirely white until towards the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. yet they still find ways to be racist while everyone on screen, screen is white. They're like, because it's the Old West, we can say things that are outrageously racist mm. and pretend yeah. it's just our character. But you right. have a character calling out the ra- he. Right. You're introduced by the character. The for one of the first issues of race, he calls another character out for being racist. Yeah, and then you know, twenty yeah. minutes later is making a joke about how black men love fat asses. Oh, okay. that, well, the fir- the very first thing that we see is someone, it was like taking a picture or something, and he's like, oh, but you're not representing our friends from the East here who also worked so hard. And it cuts to two Chinese men in full Fu Manchu, like yep. wearing coolie hats yep. and like being goofy. And it was like, and, and for the longest time, those are the only actors of color in the entire movie until we have a sequence with a Native American tribe that he doesn't dignify by having them have their own language, although they all speak in quote unquote their own language with subtitles, because you know at some point it's not an actual language because he says Mila Kunis. <laughs> and it's just sort of like, really? Really? Wait, this- I think that they were speaking Cherokee, but they just said Mila Kunis. Okay. I don't, know, the what, word, I, I don't know. know what Cherokee sounds the word, like. The word that he was saying was fine, and okay. I think the joke is is that okay. Seth MacFarlane very convincingly we're supposed to believe <laughs> that he feels Mila Kunis is attractive because she's a woman. Do you understand what I'm implying? Seth MacFarlane is a homosexual. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I After know, watching what? this film, I do not believe that anymore. Because this is written I, by a straight white no, I want. <laughs> he is a white asshole, but... If you want proof that I am right, go to, the, <laughs> go to the shot where Charlize Theron appears in her dress, and he's supposed to find her very attractive, and says, "Wow, that is a homosexual man." That is maybe I'll take that back. That, dress that is, is a bad. that is a man who has sex with men. Okay, well, don't <laughs> say the I do. I do want to say, like, I if if they were speaking Cherokee, then I apologize because I, I, I do not recognize know. it. But, 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 but having the Mila Kunis in there makes me feel like, and since everything else is such a slapdash, no one put any hard work into it thing. There's just a smorgasbord of racism and homophobia in it. Like, they have the the handkerchief moment in the bar where it's like, great, great, glad we could shoehorn that in. The first joke is a is a man-on-man oral sex joke. Oh, yeah, that as well. With the shadows. So, I don't know that they were speaking Cherokee. I just know that was Wes Studi, and okay. he, so he is Cherokee, and so I assumed... That he has too it's, much self-respect. Okay. I, 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 I have to read more to find role. out. Yeah. That, I think the Mila Kunis thing is definitely a joke. Okay. It's whether or not everything else was right. also... I hope. Well, the <laughs> other thing is, is they have a shooting contest, and the shooting contest is Runaway Slaves. Oh. So apparently, oh. Um, oh. apparently, test audiences reacted really badly to that. And Shocking. so that's why they got Jamie Foxx to come and in. And that's why they got Jamie Foxx to that's come in at the end. the exact reason why that scene is Jamie Foxx, you're is better that... than that. I wish Wait, they would have been... Jamie Foxx scene is. 
for our listeners. At the end, after it says, the end, and I literally sighed in relief, <laughs> and then I had this moment where my heart sank, and I said, oh, this kind of movie isn't really over yet. We see <laughs> Jamie Foxx in character as Django, according to the credits, or uh, according to the captions, come up to the runaway slave shooting game and shoot the guy running the game. And he walks off screen saying, now where, like, where can I find me a white woman? That's after the whole credits. Okay. Yeah. So the movie starts with a, a picture of a woman who apparently Seth MacFarlane finds unattractive, and we're told that she was Miss America back then, and oh my god, women weren't as hot. Mm. And it ends with, like, women as currency. So it's just like a great, you know, full spectrum of everything in between there. It's like an eight-year-old wrote this movie. If like, that changed Jamie Foxx joke had happened immediately in or right after the scene right. where we first introduced it. It would have worked. It would have. The fact that it was it. after the end felt so tacked I, on. I don't know that it, anything could have fixed it. Literally that. Was, it right. literally it, was. It literally was. They could have edited it in the middle. Yeah, but easy this didn't bother. Easy as pie. You could maybe you could maybe get away with the runaway slave thing at the beginning had they been like, oh, this one's too racist and moved to a different game. But then right. do an entire sequence around that thing, right. having multiple characters shoot out and have, us, and have us be like, oh, we want to care about who's shooting and how much good they are shooting. I can't. They're shooting Black caricatures, this is fucking horrible. Right. Yeah. You can't do an entire sequence on this and have me care about what is happening in the fucking scene. Yeah. And there's also, there's not, until the very end, after the credits, <sighs> not a single uh, black actor in the movie. Right. Nope. Uh, and he did all this research about the Wild West, apparently. Why didn't he learn that it was not white people there? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen John Feitner actually be angry before. Uh, this is this impressive. This movie was terrible. So <laughs> what else made you And that mad? just, it annoys me just so much because it's, without any specifics, I've certainly been in, I can't think of any movies, but I've definitive no live comedy shows I've been to where people dip their toe into, hey, we're edgy comedy. We're going to dip into some racism here. They'd be like, oh, we're edgy, but we're making fun of racism. But now we're going to sit in it for a long time. Yeah. And it just becomes your excuse to be yeah. fucking racist. Yeah. And think you're getting away with it. Because I'm telling a joke, guys. No, you're not. You're just being fucking racist. Oh, yeah. and like the Amen. end. The end where he's like, I'm half Jewish. Oh! oh my God. So, he, yeah. so at the very end, he's like, oh, like, I'm Arabic, so I'm going to do, and I quote, a Muslim death chant. And then what he just... What the fuck he was that? Tarzan Boy. Yes, he does. What and the then fuck was that? we cut and we see that uh, Clinch has died. And then Charlize comes over and says something about being half Jewish, and she's like, you're not actually Arabic, are you? And he's like, ugh, no. And she's like, ugh, I'm not Jewish. So we've managed to make fun. And I was like, did you think that you could do the Muslim joke if you also made fun of Jews in that breath? Yes, like, exactly. I, I do, th I do that think that was the, the compromise. <sighs> oh, it made me so... Like, I, I wanted to stop this movie many times. Right. But when he started wailing, I was just like, what is wrong I with didn't you? Get, I didn't even get what that was supposed Supposed to I think be? it was supposed to be a stall in the story. I think it was supposed to be a stalling tactic That's, yeah. because yeah. That the, point. the poison was working its way into Clinch's blood. I hate everything. Right. Oh, Correct. So who would Keanu Reeves play in this movie? <laughs> We've done a lot of cop outs <sighs> recently, yeah, and yeah. not wanting to cast him because we want to spare him from being a movie. And you know what? I'm not going to stop that trend. I want Keanu oh. Reeves to be a beautiful butte in the opening sequence. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just pretty scenery and playbill font, and he never has to make eye contact with Seth MacFarlane's evil doll face. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go along with this. If if we get to have Ryan Reynolds for no reason, I want Keanu to be in the bar fight, and Great. I would like him to pull off some kind of badass John Wick move. 
great. I'm I'm usually I usually try and find a thing for him to do. I'm usually not an abstainer, but I so do not want him to be in this. Like this whole movie just be scrubbed from everything. If I had to pick someone, I think I like the part in the fair when they're they're looking at the the snake oil salesman yes. stuff, and they they ask, so what is this? How does that work? And he goes, science. <laughs> uh, and I was like, a goofy Keanu Reeves being like, science would have been probably okay. That was another instance of him explaining the joke because they hold the bottle and the list of ingredients includes like, weird thing, weird thing, weird thing, and red flannel shirt. And you can't just have it written there that you'd have to read it. He actually then says, oh, and there's cut up pieces of red flannel shirt in it. It's like, do you really think your audience can't read? Like, right. I just... But also, Charlize Theron's character was shocked that there were things like cocaine, morphine right. in there. she's stepping out of the reality. Right. right. And I'm, ugh. I would cast him in the Liam Neeson role. Ooh. I would, was it clinch or clunch? I don't know. I think it's Clinch. Clinch, like closer to Clint. Okay. I I I hear an argument for Clinch because at some point we see his butt, and I applaud your choice because I would love to see Keanu Reeves. I love that you think that was Liam Neeson's real butt. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful and toned. (laughs) Not that I'm not that I'm implying that Liam Neeson does not have a nice butt. Please, if you are Liam Neeson's butt double, please. DM the Call in. Weren't you once almost Liam Neeson's stand-in? I almost was, actually, yeah. yes. Dr- but your butt was too, was too <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, We are apparently the same size, and I believe we both have uh, reddish brown hair, so yes. Okay. Uh, that's as close as I've gotten to the man himself. Alright. Why did Liam Neeson's character wear one glove and was keeping his hand soft? Apparently that's a reference to something, but I have no idea why. Uh, is that a Clint Eastwood reference? Quite possibly. Oh, uh, not I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, my Keanu Reeves thing. I assumed that that was a sex thing. Like he was Have keeping it? his soft hand for yeah, her? Yeah. I guess. What? But does keeping your hand in the glove keep it soft? Well, in the if Wild West. If you fill West. it with Vaseline. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I feel like keeping your hand out of the West with the sand <laughs> and all that. <laughs> if the tumbleweed's going to slit your throat, yeah. just imagine yeah. going to do your cuticles. A million ways to make your hands rough in the West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to say... Just yep. a hand getting increasingly <laughs> roughened. I do want to say where I think Connor Reeves would go, but I also want to say that I, I didn't get, and it bothered because I did it twice, where he, Liam Neeson, threatened someone with a gun, put that gun away, then took out another gun in order to do their life. He has a threatening three. gun and a shooting and a killing gun. Yeah. It's yeah. a very small thing, but he's like, puts one away, yep. and it's, I thought, oh, because he's going to draw the other one, but then, then he, he draws it, yeah. and then says, count to three. I was like, that's not how duels work. <laughs> yep. You don't just point your guns at each other and count to three. Wait. It's the count to three and then but draw. Both times, oh, you know, like, they had no idea how a, how right. a and shooting duel gun. works. No but he did lots of research on how the that's Wild West right. worked. As far as Keanu Reeves, I did think uh, he probably should play the Liam Neeson role, but... Uh, but I mean, Liam Neeson was fine in it, but uh, I would cast him as the guy... Change the tone a little bit of the joke because I did enjoy the joke of when Neil Patrick Harris pulls out a dollar bill and yeah. everyone's super excited by it. The man who tells the child to take his hat off should be Keanu Reeves. Perfectly stoic. Take your hat off, boy. So wait, that wasn't Ewan McGregor? No, I no, think he was, he, was in, he was in that crowd. Okay. He was in the crowd. I think Ewan McGregor was the guy who laughed at the joke and didn't know why he laughed at the joke. Got it. Um, yeah. I would like clarification on which era Keanu would replace clench would it be young like uh bill and ted era <laughs> or john wick era? it's 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 current keanu which is yeah. also john okay. wick i do love the idea of him just just 
being part oh, of the majestic western scenery. If we could do some time travel, that is hilarious. We can always time travel. Then I would, uh, I guess, if I could get to young uh, oh, Keanu yeah. Reeves from uh, Bill and Ted to play Giovanni Ribisi's part. Oh, no. See, like, I think Giovanni Ribisi is one of the very few elements in this movie that, this is true. for some value of work, worked. Yes, he worked. I think, ultimately, Liam Neeson did work. So, yeah, uh, I'm still Keanu's replacing. not enough of a derp. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's the cuckold character. He's yeah. And I, I can't... I would never cast Keanu Reeves in that lovable cuckold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. no one would That's believe fair. that his girl is not boning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that brings me to a, a plot, a, a quality of writing. So early on in the movie, they're talking about, oh, wouldn't it be great if people smiled in photographs? Yes. Because according to his research, it took 30 seconds to take your photograph. So then you have this... Let's call her the Old West Manic Pixie Cool Girl. Come and in. she doesn't start the trend of smiling and photographs? I thought she was going to start yeah. the trend of Me smiling too. and photographs. And so when that didn't happen, I was like, okay, okay, but we're going to get there. We're, we're going to do something There's with this. There's been so much set up. When right? will the payoff come? And the payoff was that he found a picture of the guy who did smile and gave her that photo as a gift. Also, like, Texas and California are really far apart. I mean, I guess the police... They were in Arizona. Arizona. They were in Arizona? Okay. Still. And (laughs) so, why? Also, he got that within a week, according to the rules of the logic in this, because the duel was a week from that, so... Was he already searching for that photograph? Like... Well, from Fair Day. I thought she was going to be the first person... To smile in a Me photograph, yep. and it was going to be about how beautiful she was, and how much he loved her smile. It would have been a really it good would use have been of great. her cool girl right. Yeah. In the middle of the movie, when, you know, you have the moment where, oh, we're broken up, he gets delivered the photograph, she's smiling. It's yeah. that moment. Well, yeah. it also oh, I do love her. You also could have made a joke out of it, because it's like, the whole idea is you have to hold the smile for the whole 30 seconds while the frame exposes. That could have ended on a shot of them, like, with insane, like... Lengthy held smile. That would have been very. That would have worked. That would have been better than Jamie Foxx. Did anyone? Did anyone get through? We. So I will. I will confess. As soon as the credits started, I realized that they were starting a new original song that would Uh, be the the title song for this, and I made John turn it off. (laughs) Did anyone? Did anyone watch through credits? You you twisted my arm. I twisted my arm to turn. I did watch. Let me tell you through credits and there was another moment where I was like this movie's hurt me in a way I didn't even expect in the credits there's a banjo player Noam Pekelny who my three year old nephew is obsessed with he loves Noam Pekelny and when Lauren wears a Noam Pekelny shirt he is just over the moon your nephew's weird yeah well Noam Pekelny has played music now with Seth MacFarlane and that is now a sullied memory wait there's a shot of him Next to Seth MacFarlane. It's in like, the listing. Like Seth, Mac- Seth MacFarlane plays melodica on this because of course he does. Right. Because oh, he remembers seeing the Jurassic Park melodica thing and he's like, I want to be next to humor. So I'm going to do I want to be next to humor. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> also like, and the thing that you were saying about like, oh, this would have been better here if he'd done this. I'm like, if Seth MacFarlane had accepted his true role in the nature of this movie, which is a junior script writer, yes. if he could contribute some general ideas that someone else would polish and remove the Racism from and elevate to an actual joke. Maybe yeah. that. Maybe he'd be great yeah. in that. This role. again, much like the Orville, comes across like a first draft. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. It comes across like he wrote it in a week and it was like, "All right, I'll do. It. Let's go. Yeah, yep. let's do it. Yep. And yeah. And it's inexpensive. If this had been an idea that he gave to someone funny, 
with that cast that he had, yeah. you could have made a very enjoyable film. Or if uh, someone with actual comedic talent was in the lead, it may have salvaged. I was going to say that, that was a major part of it. Is I think, had he been a side character in it, making these comments towards the 21st century man, I think yes. it, it could have worked in this movie. But like the main character who you're trying to follow through should mm-hmm. believe in this world. Yeah, yes. Uh, or at least be excited by it enough to like get you through it. And you need someone who can be that charming, not... I just hate everything. Everyone thinks they can be Bill Murray, and they're like, oh, if I'm an asshole, people will love me. Nope. 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 Yep. Nope. You're not Bill Murray. You're, you're not, not, you're you're not you're Gene Nathan. Wilder in Blazing Saddles. You cannot Oh, do this... It. At one point, I think John was like, well, it's sure no Blazing Saddles. <laughs> and I turned to him, looked him dead in the eye, and was like, you're sure as shit this is in Blazing Saddles. I mean, I knew that movie was funny, mm-hmm. but... Good God, do I appreciate Blazing Saddles right. after this. Yeah. How the fuck do we rank this, apart oh. from just putting it straight to the bottom? I'm actually not putting this all the way oh at the bottom. God. And and I feel a little, a little weird about that. Oh. But there were vague moments uh, that made me happy-ish, sort of. Happy's too strong. <laughs> what, <laughs> like, is, what is it going to be above? So I'm putting it above 15 minutes. So it is uh. fourth from, or fifth from the bottom for me. I'm Wait, putting, what the, what? 15 yeah. minutes is pretty bad. Like, I... I, I don't thing. know that's worse than this, there but were, it's down there. I laughed out loud more than once. I mean, I found Charlie's left. very charming as much as it was terrible, I was not as actively miserable watching this movie as I was watching 15 Minutes, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Children of the Corn 3, and The Last Face. Wait, you think this wow. is better than The Legend of Bagger Vance? I hated The Legend of Bagger Vance. You think this is better Vance. than Children of the Corn 3? <laughs> See, that's the question I'm struggling with. Like, Children of the Corn 3 was at least made in earnest and like had some kind of thrust behind mm-hmm. it. Like, One could say the same thing about Legend of Bagger Vance. So I, 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 ra- I ranked that for pretty like, high. Yeah, he's oh. like Legend of Bagger Vance. Um, but uh, I'm like, I don't know if I can honestly say say that this is worse than Children of the Corn 3 or better because like this is I I think it's relatively well made yeah I mean I this movie is god awful and terrible but it had enough redeeming factors for me to not put it dead last is but what I'm saying the, com- the conversation we've just had I think <laughs> is convincing me to put it lower than Children of the Corn 15 3. minutes it was dour and terrible but at least was telling the story it wanted to tell which was terrible and awful yeah so I'm like at least it was consistent what it was mm. right so it's it wins out for that although okay. yes i saw that movie in theaters and yeah i, I wanted to leave and I probably mean, should have which there, one was 15 minutes that's, oh, that's not the best remembering best approach yeah to that. just <laughs> you're, you're, you're better you're better living your best life yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in a better place than the rest of us i keep on thinking it's 21 grams it's not <laughs> it's not so where are you putting it so i'm putting it I don't. I honestly don't know if it's worse than Trial and Error either. I think I might be putting it between Children of the Corn. No, it's worse than Trial and Error. Yeah, it's what it's above Prometheus, but below Trial and Error. Oh, Prometheus. Ooh. So, guys, <laughs> that's a question. I really took. I relished putting fifteen minutes below Children of the Corn Three: Urban Harvest. It was a moment. I hated that. Thank movie. you for using the full title. It always should be the full title. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, yes, this movie was bad, and I'm angry, but also this is what it deserves. But I'm going to approach this with the same joylessness that I feel like this movie had. And it just it's, for me, worse than 15 minutes because it couldn't even inspire, That's like, great. a fun rage. 
Uh, like there, I think this movie is more terrible because I think that what it represents is awful. I think it's such a niche presentation of what comedy can do, and it's only for an audience of privileged people, and I am not interested in that. But I'm just kind of like, ah, it's so. I've been faced with this type of humor so many times, and Seth MacFarlane's dumb doll face so many times. Anyway, this is a long thing to say. It's at the bottom, predictably. All the way to the bottom. Yeah, this, this, is my, this is my least one because I could. I feel like I could be talked into watching 15 minutes. If, like, you've never seen it, I'd be like, great, this movie is fucking awful and we can be mad the whole time. Mm. But if anyone ever wants to watch A Million Ways to Die in the West with me, <laughs> I will abstain. I'm not going to do it. I'm never going to put myself through so this hell again. So in a good son situation, you can only hold on to 15 minutes yeah. at A Million Ways to Die. You're going to let go of oh, A Million yeah. Ways so to wait. Die. To be able to get 15 Oh, minutes. not even a problem. Does, does, this, does that mean that this movie is so low for you, it's a barometer for unfriending a person? <laughs> if they want, if some, if you like, oh, well, someone likes this movie, and you immediately like, done. My anecdote, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, give me, give me time to oh, think. I, Please tell the anecdote. I have been said, I for, I'm so glad you said something, Bob. She has, I, a little, a little context my father used to work for a distribution company, a media distribution, the middleman between the distributor of a film and something like a blockbuster. Young listeners can Google what that is. And he doesn't mean a very popular movie. It's so, a physical location. So walk in Netflix. Right. Um, <laughs> so besides getting screener copies of films in advance my entire life growing up, before before the that Netflix changed everything and Blockbuster was now gone, he would also get promotional materials tied to films, such as I grew up with a life-size Elvira cardboard cutout, uh, things like that. That explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and the, one, of the la- one of the dying breaths of that industry, we, I received a, a book, a novelization, of this film. What? And I immediately gave it to my little brother as a gift. <laughs> and I am so sorry that I did that. <laughs> Wait, a novelization of this film? A novelization of this film. Because <laughs> you really wanted to explain everything. Well, because I know he, I know my, my, there's, you know, there's enough of an age gap in my brother and I that... When I thought Family Guy was funny, he was a child. Mm-hmm. When I stopped thinking Family Guy was funny, he thought Family Guy was funny. And I remember watching him watch an episode and laugh at a joke and asked, why are you laughing at that? Do you understand that joke? And he didn't, but he was a kid and just responding to what was happening. So I remember thinking, okay, I didn't see this film because I have no desire to, but my brother likes Seth MacFarlane right now. So sure. I'll, and I would like him to read more. So I will give him the novelization of this book. I know he didn't read it, uh, but I do need to check in with him and ask Please. if he did. Um, and Where is it? I, is it in the house? Right. Because the true, the true gift would be an annotated copy explaining why it's not funny. Uh, <laughs> yes. oh, I would love would a be. dueling annotated copy with an actual funny person being like, this is why this is awful. And him being like, no, <laughs> it is. So uh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much to John Feitner and Connor McCandless for joining us through this. And we're so sorry. We You should be. I do not. <laughs> we, did, we did this to ourselves. We were given some options. Uh, and true. we went, you know what? 
we're the right people for this. You really did make this so much more bearable than it could have been. <laughs> and if you want to hear John Feitner being full of joy in a movie, you can listen to our fast or the fate, fate of, of the, the Furious episode. I love that movie. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so he's our first two-time guest, I believe. He is our first recurring guest. Congratulations. I think he was our first guest, period. Yes. Yes. So it only follows oh. me. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Alex Reed for our theme song. Thank you to Charlie Theron for making movies that are not this. <laughs> we hope to find another one soon. And so let's just generalize and all together say... Thank, Thank you, Charlies. Just not for this one. From, oh wait, is that frame. one of the things you looked up? What what no. did they call weed in 1883? Well, I think they would not. I don't think they would have called it pot. Yeah, I'm not. Right. A, I'm not an aficionado on yeah. the slang that we have used uh, for marijuana. Hey, if any I of was... our stoner listeners, <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> but it seems like it would be. I'm <laughs>